Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepy pastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents The 31 Days of Horror Day 22 The Dead Poets Game The following is a set of brief instructions on how to play the Dead Poets Game. Most of you have probably never heard of this ancient phenomenon that circled around England in the late 1800s during the Industrial Revolution. This practice can still be used by certain people, but I must warn you that what you will partake in is extremely dangerous. You must follow all instructions perfectly, or else your life will forever be endangered. Now you might be asking yourselves, what is the Dead Poets game? In the late 1800s, stories of ghosts and goblins were circling all through northern Europe. Everybody only thought of these spirits as mere fairy tales. It was, of course, all too true that one night at the London theater, someone performed this exact game in front of a large audience. This man was a psychic who was mostly renowned for his unbelievable talent of precognition. Alexander Kingsley was his name. He mostly performed magic tricks and various other acts of illusion that even I can't figure out. One of which was when he seemingly cut off his own foot and then reattached it in only 60 seconds. Of course, I'm just getting sidetracked. With the craze of the ghosts and demons becoming famous throughout the world, Alex used this to his advantage. He was going to play a little game that he'd heard of and wanted to test out if it was real or not. The items needed are a candle, two glasses of wine, a table, and two chairs. You'll see why later. Alexander heard the tales of what would happen if he played the game and thought it would be a good idea in order to bring in profit. You see, at the time, his tricks had, well, gotten a little stale, if you know what I mean. The idea of actually summoning a ghost on stage was the perfect idea to reel in a crowd. Soon posters and advertisements were plastered all across London. Come and see the mysterious ace. For tonight at eight o'clock, he will summon the undead from their peaceful slumber. Come and see for yourself at the London Theatre House. Of course, this was back when literally everyone was a gullible idiot. Although... Nothing has really changed now, has it? At this very night, Alexander, or Ace, was going to perform the game improperly. He wasn't acquainted with the key rules one has to follow. The rules. 1. You have to be alone. 2. You have to do it in the place where someone has died. 
Three. You have to take everything seriously. Alexander was disrespecting these rules to the core, and the punishment for not following these rules are... Well, you'll see later. The setup you have to follow is that you have to be in the vicinity of where someone had recently passed away. In fact, you need to place your table on the exact place in which they had died. You need to put your chair where the victim's head was pointing, and the other where the legs were. It also matters who died. It needs to be the body of a poet, hence the name. A poet can be described as a calm, well-spoken, and nice soul. So, if your husband was a very humble and collected person, then you can play this game. The reason for this is because when you'll contact the spirit, it'll often take the shape of a soul trapped in that area. If you want to have a nice conversation with the spirit, you wouldn't want it taking the shape of a demon now, would you? This brings us to the first rule. Be alone. If you aren't alone, then the spirit may possess the poor soul who didn't sit down in the head chair, as I call it. And trust me, it is very hard to save a soul from this fate. If the other person gets possessed, the ghost will have full control over the body. Sometimes, if it's a demon then your friend may do unspeakable things to you and anyone around him or her. The same rule applies if you don't sit down at the head chair, or if you don't have the table placed in the right spot. If you're like me, at this point you've probably predicted the fate of Alexander and his audience. But trust me when I say this, not following the rule in which you're supposed to act in a sensible manner is the worst one of them all. And poor Alex was a 19th century magician with brightly flamboyant colors for clothes. Not following this could haunt you for the rest of your days. But the fact that Alex was breaking all of these rules was even worse. To properly play, you must lock yourself in the room, closing all the blinds, and be sure to do it at night. No light must be in the room at this time except for the faint flickers of light emanating from the candle that you need to place on the table. Take out the two wine glasses and pour both glasses with the alcohol of your choosing. This symbolizes a peace offering to the spirit, showing that you mean no harm to him or her. I should remind you that you must have no form of technology inside the room. Also, you must make sure that you have no way of contacting anyone else in the outside world. To start, you must call to the spirit that you mean no harm to them. You pour their glass and raise your own and take a sip. If you have done this correctly, after lowering your glass there will be someone sitting across from you. At this point, you must not display any signs of fear in your voice or your facial expressions. You must not provoke the spirit in any way. You must act sensible. To start the game, you must say, I wish to start a match. The ghost will usually nod and raise glass. The spirit will be taking the appearance and personality of the deceased body of your choosing. 
remember that. You must treat this spirit as if it actually is the body in the room. If you don't, then you will be met with weird looks and eventual frustration and anger. Of course, nobody in their right mind would want to mess with a ghost. To play, you have to say what letter you want to be, either A or B. To say it, you must say, I strip you of the letter and say your letter. If done properly, the spirit will take another sip. I should remind you that every time the entity takes a drink, you must too, for this will be your timer. When both classes are empty, the spirit will leave. If both classes are uneven, the spirit will not leave until you've finished. Now again, you might be thinking to yourself, That isn't so hard. All I have to do to finish is to finish drinking, and then he or she leaves. What's the big deal? Well, I can certainly tell you that you would want to spend as much time away from this spirit as possible. This creature is purposefully trying to get you to drink, so that you can reveal your deepest, darkest secrets. It can find out about your personal life, your job, your family, your relationships, etc. This is just a way so the spirit can enter your mind and slowly dissolve it. Just by choosing choice words, it can cause some people to commit suicide. Some entities have powers and abilities that we are yet to fully understand. Angering, pleasing, or agitating a spirit like this can have dire consequences. The game plays like this. Player A will ask a question, and player B will have to answer it. After the spirit answers, it will take a sip. Then the letters will alternate. Then you will be player B. The spirit will ask a question, and then take a sip. You can ask any question you want, and so can he or she. You keep alternating until you both run out of wine. When this happens, whoever is player A when the wine runs out automatically wins the game. If you win, the spirit will raise his or her glass and walk into the shadows. Remain seated even when he's returned to his rightful place. Blow out the candle, turn on the lights, and exit the room. It sounds relatively easy, doesn't it? Of course, what happens when you lose is a whole other story. If you lose, then the spirit will blow out the candle. Turning on the light is probably the best defense mechanism against the spirit. Ghosts aren't drawn to light and often avoid it. Still, that doesn't mean you're safe. The spirit may start following you through your life. Every time you go into a dark room, you'll see it just out of the corner of your eye. Whenever you look into a mirror, you'll see it standing right behind you. It'll stalk you and hunt you down until you finally muster up the courage to say these words. This soul is yours. It is yours to do business with. If you say this successfully, then you black out. You will wake up in a room similar to your own, except darker and stranger. There's no doors or windows, just a bed. This spirit now has your soul, 
and can choose to do whatever it wants with your body. Think of this strange realm as a sort of waiting room. As soon as someone else wants to play, you will be summoned and be forced to play. If you lose, then you will be forced back into that room and you will have to wait again. Sounds pretty fucking easy, doesn't it? Usually, you're the only person in this dimension, and until you're summoned, nobody else can enter. A year before the phenomenon had spread to Europe and made popularized by Alex, a violent prisoner named Pierre played this game. Using the dead body area of his unlucky cellmate, he had heard of this game and had heard of the effects. He thought that if he lost and was summoned in somewhere like England, he would be able to make his escape from life imprisonment. So, locked up in this French prison, he performed the game. He purposefully lost, not knowing how horrible his fate actually was. He spent a whole year in his hellish prison, screaming in agony banging on the concrete walls as he got no response from anyone or anything. He went insane. He became the very definition of a demon. He wasn't able to form sentences. He couldn't self-harm. He couldn't think straight. And all he could think of was leaving that hellhole. Then, one cold November night, Alexander released the demon from his cell with no real way of a human form, and with an overwhelming audience of bodies to possess. Pierre could not control himself. He was transformed into his natural body, except he had aged exponentially. He stank of feces and urine, his clothes were tattered and worn out, and he was screaming like a rabid dog. He was foaming at the mouth. He attacked Alex and took his body, Pierre had become Alex. He ran out of the theater. Crowds were running after him, some calling him a genius and others calling him a monster. Alexander automatically lost the game. He didn't follow the rules, and thus his fate had befallen him. And so, if you've learned anything from this, do not take the risk of playing this game. It will ruin you. It will destroy you. It will dismantle the very fabric of your world. If you do choose to play this game, I suggest playing alone. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. 
That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. For your bonus episode, Creepy Presents Coffin Bursts, narrated by J.V. Hampton Van Sant. I just finished writing my resignation letter, so I figured I might as well tell everyone else. Not that you know me, and not that you care, but still, I think you should know. Up until about 30 minutes ago, I was a morgue assistant. My goal was to be a coroner. Was. I've worked in healthcare in some capacity or another since high school, volunteering and eventually getting paid, all trying to build up my experience. That was, until Lady X. We didn't call the unidentified bodies John or Jane Doe for reasons, and the coroner I worked with just called them some variation of X. We already had a Mrs. and Miss X, so number three was Lady X. Lady X came in without much information. The police said they'd arrived at the scene based on an anonymous call from a payphone at the bodega around the corner. The cops didn't say much, but they usually don't say much. It isn't that important that we know the details of things. It's a body. No one really likes transporting DOAs. First responders are there to save lives. Or at least, that's what the job description says. Showing up just to transport a dead body to the people who cut open dead bodies isn't exactly a happy time. Still... There was something about the drop-off that was weird. I know some of it is hindsight, me piecing together things after the fact. So maybe at the time I didn't really think that anything was wrong or off, but then again, maybe I did. Lady X is... was a 20-something-year-old Caucasian female. There were no external signs of trauma and appeared to be near the end of her pregnancy term. I would have guessed at least 32 weeks along. Keep in mind, it isn't out of the realm of possibility for a child to be delivered after the mother dies. But it usually has to be within a few minutes since the fetus relies on the circulatory system of the mother to survive. Short answer, when the mother is brain dead, the fetus won't survive much longer. However, there have been cases where the mother's body was kept alive so the fetus could be birthed. It's called maternal somatic support after brain death. Back to Lady X. There were no overt indications of decomposition, so the call didn't come in from a neighbor who smelled the body, which we got used to after a while. The body showed signs of rigor mortis, 
so she had been dead for anywhere between one hour and a few days. I didn't talk with the EMTs who brought her in, but I had to guess they checked for signs of a fetal heartbeat. Not all EMTs were 100% at their jobs, but still, by the time she got to us, there was no way the fetus was alive. So, when I was working to prepare the body for autopsy, I almost fell over when I saw Lady X's stomach move. It looked like a rolling wave, the sort of thing you'd see from a baby shifting in the uterus. I immediately called the coroner in, who ran some checks determining that Lady X was indeed dead, that there was no heartbeat, no brain activity, and that there was no fetal heartbeat. When I asked what it was, to his credit, he didn't act like I was stupid or imagining things. He was a pragmatic guy, good at his job. I really did like working with him. If I made it to being a coroner, I would have wanted to be like him if I made it that far. No sense in worrying about that anymore, I guess. I was pretty shaken up, and he did his best to calm me down. I couldn't just shake off what I had seen. I saw the stomach move. I saw the baby move. That's when he told me about one possible answer, something I'd never heard of. Coffin birth. Coffin birth also known as post-mortem fetal extrusion, is an expulsion of a non-viable fetus through the vaginal opening of a decomposing body of a deceased pregnant woman as a result of the increasing pressure of intra-abdominal gases. So, evidently, it is possible for a woman to die and for her body to expel the fetus. I guess there have even been reported cases in the 21st century. The coroner told me it was more than likely just a matter of the gases inside the body building up and causing internal shifting. After a while, he was able to calm me down and told me to take a few minutes, get something out of the vending machine down the hall, and come back to finish prepping. He even went the extra mile and said I didn't have to stay for the autopsy. I'm grateful for that. I always will be. By the time I... By the time I got back to the morgue, something had happened. The body, Lady X, was still there, but she was different. Her stomach looked deflated, like a balloon with the air let out. The skin hanged limp in almost a pile of the pit that was, just five minutes earlier, her pregnant stomach. Between her legs was a black streak of some... substance. I don't know if it was ever identified, but it dripped slow and thick like molasses off the edge of the table. All I could see 
was that body, that streak. I followed the streak from between her legs, off the table and over to the wall of coolers. The wall of nine cooler doors, normally pristine and shining, and most importantly, closed. A long streak of black tar ran up the side of the wall and to each door. Each door that was now open. I know for a fact there were six bodies in the cooler when I arrived that morning. But when I looked at the wall, nine empty black eyes stared back at me. I don't know what happened to the bodies. I don't care. No, that's a lie. I care a lot. That's why I quit. There were questions. So many questions. No answers. Missing bodies. An unidentified woman that had something inside her. I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay there anymore. I couldn't. I I just couldn't. At the end of the day, I don't know what came out of that woman. But I know what its footprints looked like in that thick black tar that leaked to the cooler. And the tiny three-toed prints that led out the door. For even more from Creepy, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at CreepyPod on social media and YouTube. All stories told on this podcast are used under license and may not be rebroadcast or distributed without the express prior written consent of the story's author. Please contact us at creepypod at gmail.com for further information on obtaining the rights necessary to rebroadcast or distribute a particular story. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust (laughs) The only thing I could hear was 7219 (laughs) laughing Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. 
Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.